0: It's about collective impact. It's not about Brian impacting a billion people. That's the mission that I've committed my life to, but it's about collective impact. We cannot get to a billion alone. We can't even get to a billion with a couple of us. And so it's a matter of having heart-centered, intentional, empathetic, caring, giving individuals who want to see a better world for future generations coming together to say that we're tired of the current narratives that exist in the world and let's build a new one. And so, you know, I wouldn't consider you a moon in my solar system. I'd consider you a friend walking along this journey. And I think you're going to do a whole lot for us to collectively impact a billion lives. And so I'm grateful for all of that, my friend. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, in my walks, every man
1: I meet is my superior in some way. And in that, I can learn from him. This means every single person you've ever interacted with has done something slightly different than every single other person, and therefore has something to teach you. And you, my friend, have something to teach them. This means every conversation you have is both a chance to learn something and a chance to make an impact. Every room full of people you walk into is both a library and your stage. And the better you get at getting to know people, the value they each inherently bring and how to share it with others, the greater the impact you can make on the world. My name is Pablo Gonzalez and I've created a system called the Relationship Flywheel designed to create impact through relationships at scale. And this podcast is a living document of how to do it. So hit subscribe right now. If you want to learn how to get to know people, get them to know you and build a world-class network some episodes will be interviews some episodes will be regular calls with people building rapport and some will be tactical advice to teach you how to build your own relationship flywheel and achieve anything you want now smash that subscribe button and let's get connected Welcome to the Chief Executive Connector Podcast. I am your host and Chief Executive Connector, and today I am pumped. This has been a long time coming. We're talking to my friend, Brian Bogert, who is officially one of the favorite, one of the reasons that I'm grateful for the internet, because I would have never met him were it not for the internet. I feel like we forced this great connection. He is a gregarious, well-spoken, good-looking dude that has built multiple businesses quickly. He is an amazing, amazing public speaker, a monster content creator, and just somebody that shows up in this package of like exceeding value every time that I see his face and every time I interact with him or every time I click into one of his pieces of content. And our first conversation that we recorded was amazing. And this is the second one that we're actually recording. So I'm pumped to have you here, Brian. Welcome to the show, bro.
0: Dude, you seriously, we've talked about this for so long, but you are seriously the best hype man on the planet. I just want to walk around with you and like I'll just let you introduce me everywhere cuz you make me sound way cooler than I actually am. <laughs> but I'm I, I'm equally excited to join you today cuz man, we always we always have fun, great conversations and and value does typically just seep off uh, out of the the top of the vessel whenever we're together. So I appreciate that.
1: True story. Right after our first conversation, I updated all my headlines everywhere to like world class hype man. Thanks to your encouragement, man. So you know,
0: <laughs> well it's true. Own, in, own, own into the title because man, that's how you live. So let's just start calling you that.
1: I love it, dude. I love it. I love it. I love it, man. Listen, Brent, I didn't warn you about this because I feel like you don't need to be warned about anything because you're 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 good. But I always start all my I, I start my podcast right. You know, a lot of my podcast is about human connection and the importance of yeah. it, right? And Like what what you and I believe in, and I my thesis on that is the idea that we bond quickest to people when we add value to their life, which we're going to do here in this conversation to our friend that's listening in her ear right now. But the other thing is, if someone hears you share a vulnerability, it humanizes you in their eyes and, and they see themselves in your struggle. So I ask all my guests to share a vulnerability that you have, something you're struggling with, something you struggled with in the past, so that we can you know, s- set you up as somebody that's relatable before we go into all your superpowers and you sound like a, more than a human
0: yeah so I often say that vulnerability and authenticity are the glue that binds human connection. So that's not that different than what you just said, right? It's about adding value and having a connection and then you know, being vulnerable in some way. So you know, vulnerability is something that I kind of own in my life. you know i I'll own one that I'm dealing with right now. In fact, yesterday it hit me. you know i my one of my core philosophies is this idea of embracing pain to avoid suffering, and I tell often this one story of how I, because of the imbalance in my body and some of the things that we may or may not even talk about my story today, but I've got a curve in my spine and then muscular imbalance that has caused lots of pain. 15 years ago, I had to change the way I approached my physical nature, core strong, eating right, physical movement, exercise, percussion therapy, stretching, just to kind of maintain an everyday manageable level of pain versus suffering pain that was really impacting and debilitating towards my quality of life. Well, over the last probably six to eight weeks, I've had a number of things take place and my pain, my physical pain has shifted back into the category of suffering. It's been debilitating in some ways here recently. I don't like talking about it because I like to be able to just show up and deliver and, and know that I'm in a good place. But yesterday, for example, 3:30 in the morning, I woke up in so much pain I could barely move and I had to rely on my wife to get me some pain meds. And I had to clear my calendar for a half a day to be able to just give myself a little bit of grace in that moment. And, you know, I shamed myself for it because I felt like I should just be able to show up and do it because I do every day operate with some level of pain in my world physically. So man, I'm being vulnerable just to own the fact that it's like, look, I I, I stayed in my bed and I stayed on the couch for about half the day yesterday and I didn't do work because I couldn't think clearly because the pain was at that level. Yeah. But I focused on what I needed to do to mitigate that pain and I was ready to go by the afternoon and was able to deliver. And But what this has told me is that the the way my body is degenerating. Right, the older I get, particularly because of the situations physically that I've been through, uh, it just means that I now have to find some other solutions and get proactive around making sure that I can allow it to not impact my quality of life, uh, so that it's debilitating, suffering, pain. So that's man, that's that's a real vulnerable moment for you.
1: That is a real vulnerable moment, man. You bring up something, you mentioned something in passing there that I think is very like universally human that I that I go through also, and it's this idea of shaming yourself when you're going through something that really, you don't need to shame yourself for, man. You know, like yeah. when I like when I get strep throat or something like that, you know, obviously my throat sucks <laughs> and it stings. But part of it is me sitting there on this like couch in a feverish t- state thinking, you know what, man, if I just ate cleaner, I wouldn't have gotten sick. Or if I did this or yeah. that. And it's like shaming yourself for unnecessarily because your body ails from an external trigger or something yeah. that was going to happen to you anyways, man, like that is so universal.
0: Yeah, it is. And I think people do it all the time. And part of it's, you know, we may have a set of standards that we operate. And, and if we'd feel like we aren't operating at that set of standards that, that, you know, we feel like we could or should be better than we are in those moments. You know, a lot of it though, has to do with the external narratives that the world creates for us. You know, you should be this, you should do that. You should shove your emotions down and show up with a smile on your face. You should be able to push through pain. You should like all these things, right? These shoulds that are just should is a shame-based word because it implies whatever you're doing isn't good enough. And so we get caught in that trap. We get caught in that cycle. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I'm somebody that constantly is looking for ways to give grace to other people right? Constantly looking for ways to allow them to realize that what they're going through, you know, isn't silly. It's it's not dumb. What they're feeling is what they're feeling. What they're experiencing was there, was what they're experiencing. And sometimes we need to take a step back to rest and recover so that we can calibrate, get clarity on that. And really sometimes just take a step back to be able to take the right steps forward to process through whatever we're going through. I'm the first person to be that champion for everybody else. Yet I'm the first person to beat myself up when I can't do it in my own life. And so, you know, I think that it is. It's a universal human experience. We all kind of beat ourselves up because we believe we should be able to do more sometimes than we can in those moments. So, yeah, it's, but it is. It's ironic. I'm constantly giving that strength to other people, yet I don't always have it myself.
1: Listen, man, I'm that same guy too, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely, I love how you say give grace to other people. For me, it's just like, I, I guess I haven't evolved it that far, but I'm just like, I have empathy, right? Like, I know that, I know that when somebody, explodes on me for something innocuous, I know that it's probably because they got in a fight with their wife earlier that day yeah, really totally. Worthy or whatever. Right. So I'm, I'm always in that space. And yet for myself, I'm just like, bro, you're the worst. Like what's wrong with, yeah. you know, like, I, I, I think it's really human, man. Listen, I think. I want to get into your story because I think we'd be doing our friend that's listening a disservice if, if you don't tell kind of this cornerstone story of, of these lessons learned of why you embrace pain to, to, to avoid suffering. You want to, you want to get into that, man, kind of what shaped this? Yeah, thing?
0: yeah, yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's riff on that for a second. So I'm, I'm going to ask you and anybody who's listening to close your eyes for just a second, of course, unless you're driving, because I don't want you closing your eyes if you're listening to this podcast. And I want you to imagine going to a store. Getting everything you need, having a successful shopping trip, checking out, walking out the doors, heading onto your car, looking up at the sun, experiencing the warmth and beauty of the day and expecting that your life is just going on, right? You're just moving on like any other day. You get up to your car and you turn your head and you see a truck barreling 40 miles an hour right at you with no time to react. Go ahead and open your eyes. That's where this portion of my story begins. My mom, my brother, and I went to our local Walmart to get a one-inch paintbrush. And as we were headed back to our car, I was the first one there. I wanted to get home and put that paintbrush to use. But this was back in the days before we had key fobs. So my mom and brother, who were a few feet behind me, I had to wait for them to catch up, for her to stick the key in the door, turn it, unlock the car so that we could get in and go on with our day. And as I was standing there, a truck pulls up in front of the store, and a driver and middle passenger get out. The passenger all the way to the right felt the truck moving backwards. So he did what anyone else would do, Pablo. He scooted over to put his foot on the brake, but he instead hit the gas. Combination of shock and force threw him up onto the steering wheel, up onto the dashboard, and before you know it, he's catapulting across the parking lot 40 miles an hour right at us with no time to react. We're in an end spot. So he goes up and over the median in the end spot, goes up and over the tree in the end spot, hits our car, knocks me over, runs over me diagonally, tears my spleen, leaves a tire track scar on my stomach, and then continues on to completely sever my left arm from my body. So there I am, Laying on the parking lot on 115 degree day in Phoenix, Arizona, my mom and brother watched the whole thing happen. And they look up and they see my arm laying 10 feet away from me in the parking lot. Fortunately for me, my guardian angel also saw the whole thing happen. She walked it was a nurse that walked out of the store and she saw the literal life and limb scenario in front of her. And she rushed immediately into action. It was that choice. That put a ripple effect into my life and the life of many other people because she could have just as easily turned away and said i don't have time to deal with this right now but instead she walked, jumped into action came over stopped the bleeding on the main wound and saved my life and instructed some innocent bystanders to run inside grab a cooler and get my arm on ice within minutes had she not done one or both of those things pablo i either wouldn't be here with you today or i'd be here with you today with a cleaned up stump that's just the reality so i know our friends listening were not expecting it to go there today, right? I I know I have an extremely unique story. But what I've realized in all my time of doing this is that we all have unique stories. What's important is that we pause and become aware of the lessons we can extract from those stories, and then become intentional with how do we apply them in our lives. And so we all have the ability to do that. And we also all have the ability to tap into the collective wisdom of other people's stories to shorten our own curve to learning. So I'm going to share with you two primary stories, and then we're just going to riff in a bunch of different directions, I'm sure. The first is I learned not to get stuck by what had happened to me, but instead get moved by what I could do with it. And the second, I didn't realize until far later, because at 7, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years old, although I was the one having the surgeries performed to, I was the one having to go through all of the years of just unbelievable therapy, occupational, physical And I was the one that had to put in the work. I was also being guided through the process. So I was a little bit in the fog, but my parents were not. They also had to put in work and they were intimately aware of the unceasing medical treatments, years of therapy. And the idea of seeing their son grow up without the use of his left arm was a source of great potential suffering for them. So they willed themselves day in and day out to do what was necessary, what was tough, what was ultimately required to strengthen and heal me. They embraced the pains required to strengthen and heal me. So whether it was intentional or not, what they did was ingrain in me a philosophy and a way of living, which was to embrace pain to avoid suffering. And I believe when we do this right, it's also where we gain freedom. So it's these concepts that I've used to not only overcome this unique injury, but how my business partners and I scaled our last business to 15 million within the span of a decade. And now how I flipped that on its head as a human behavior and performance coach to help individuals and organizations just like you, just like the people listening, become more aware, more intentional and who they already are, their most authentic selves. You see, I believe this is when magic happens, Pablo, and the door starts to crack to perspective, motivation, and direction. And that's also when people have the chance to have joy, freedom, and fulfillment enter into their worlds. And so it's these reasons that I'm on a mission to impact a billion lives by 2045, because if we can truly reduce the level of suffering on this planet, truly allow people to experience joy, freedom, and fulfillment, and know that they can stand on their own two feet authentically to who they are, knowing that the world is going to receive them, accept them and support them for exactly who they are, not what they do. That's what we're going to start to be able to bring vulnerability and authenticity to the table so that we can bind human connection and leave this world a more beautiful place for my kids and my grandkids.
1: Listen, dude, I've heard you tell that story. Like this is your cornerstone story and kind of like the foundation of everything you do. I've I've heard you say it in a couple of podcasts and it never I've never heard you say it to me directly. And it's incredible, man. It's incredible how you carry someone from that terror of that moment, right? Like when I close my eyes and I look at this truck and I think of just being a happy kid, right? Like I can, I very much see myself as an eight-year-old boy all the time, right? Like, and, and, and that energy.
0: (laughs) Well, Let's be honest. You and I never really matured beyond that point.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, from the terror to the shock, to the pain, to the, to the peripheral pain, to this profound life lesson of being able to not just learn from your experiences, but the superpower of learning from other people's experiences like you've done with your parents in that, in that microcosm to feed your growth. I, I just think it's so important, man. And and like, I'm, 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 I'm glad we went into that and I want to dive. I want to go from there. To this understanding that you are now on this path to impact a billion people, I believe it's going to happen. I pl- I want to be as big a part of that as possible. That's why I have you on my blog. You know, that's why I promote you to everybody I know. And as I think about my audience and I think about our friend that's probably listening right now, I know that a lot of people come to me when they are in a transitional moment, right? Mm-hmm. Like I know it's often like a personal transition. I I get a lot of calls like, "Man, I'm about to quit my job. I'm going to go start this business," or, "Dude." you know, pandemic hit, I used to just be networking in rooms all the time. How are you doing it meeting new people? Right. And and I think about your story. I think about what, what, what you talked about, right? Like you built this like $15 million business in 10 years. You have then built a new business that is coaching and helping people. And then something you didn't talk about is like, as soon as the pandemic hit, you saw the opportunity pivoted and continued your thriving speaker business and coaching business. Right off the bat, so I would love to distill some of the lessons that you have taken away in how you are able to build businesses to support your lifestyle in multiple at multiple different stages in life, man. Like I like I would love to know kind of if you can talk me through your first business. It was a what was that like a financial planning or like an insurance risk franchise? management
0: employee benefits consulting? Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. T- tell me about the formation of that business and 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 how you got to do it and kind of like what was it that started clicking that became the driver of this like $50 million valuation in under a decade?
0: Yeah, so I'll clarify, it was 15, not 50. I wish it would yep. have been 50, but I'm very proud of 15 as well. I thought
1: I was saying 15. I think it's my, my Hispanic. Yeah, group. okay.
0: I wanted to just be clear for anybody listening yep. that it was not 50, uh, 15. So anyway, you know, so that, that business I will forever be grateful for. It was never in alignment with who I was, though I tried to convince myself that it was. Mm. I primarily focused my career in employee benefits because it was health insurance that ultimately saved my life and ultimately saved my arm. And so, you know, I never thought about that when I fell into the business. But on my very first sale, somebody asked me why I do it and I scrambled to give an answer. And that's what I said. I did it because health insurance saved my life. And so I want to make sure I can do that for other people. It sounded great, but it was complete bullshit. I wanted to be successful and I wanted to make a shitload of money. And I wanted to prove to myself that I could, right? That I could go out and do things. And so the original antithesis of getting into that business and what we did, you know, I have to own the fact that it wasn't started from the ground up. It was a series of LLCs, right? And so I had an opportunity to be a part of a larger platform, but we also became the largest growing partner office in the history of the the organization because we did. We essentially had no presence and went to a pretty significant presence in a matter of a decade in a market that is large in Phoenix and and surpassed many of the different size entities that existed, a lot of our competitors, and, and it was great. But truthfully, I got into that business because I wanted to be successful based on the external definition of success. I wanted to make a lot of money. I wanted to have nice things. I wanted to prove that I could live a life of significance.
1: Yeah, man, sounds like your 20s, right?
0: And I did it, right? (laughs) And I did it, but the more I did it, the more I also realized like, so that was my driving force. I had to prove to myself that I could. I had to prove to the world that I could. And oh, by the way, this is the really crazy part about it. I never led with my story ever for 15 years in that industry. Yeah. other than answering that one question, which I was only ever asked one. And so I never, I never did. It wasn't a part of my story. It wasn't a part of the growth of the business. You know, I had business partners that were very much a part of helping build the business. So I, I, it was not me. We had phenomenal smart associates that we ended up hiring over time that only added fuel to the fire to help us grow and scale so that I could do only the things that I can do. They could do the things that they could do. And we were able to very clearly see the things that didn't even need to be done based on how they'd been done in other, uh, other worlds. But truthfully, I sought out because this is what I wanted. Well, every major life goal that I'd ever set for myself that involved money and things and what I wanted, homes, cars, whatever I had accomplished by the time I was 26, I think, 26 or 27. And I never really went through the process of like evolving myself for whatever was coming next, right? Whether that was to grow the business bigger, whether that was to do something else. And, And it was also around the time that I started having kids so the first six months of my son went by like that, and I realized, huh, I just missed the first six months of my kid's life. I was burning the candle at both ends, was still focused on external definitions of success, and I was at the same time stuck, miserable, feeling, you know, stymied in my efforts to fill my potential, and I couldn't figure out how to get the quality of life back into place because doing everything for the benefit of my family doesn't matter if I'm not there, if I'm not providing love, leadership, attention. So I hired my first coach. Hmm. That's kind of what started this whole path of unpacking who I was and really starting to get more clarity in some different things. You know, went, hired him first month working with me. He goes, Bogart, you gotta be doing this. And I was like, What are you talking about? Cause you've been speaking and coaching your whole life. Why aren't you doing this professionally? Yeah. And, and I was like, What are you talking? He's like, Dude, you build people and build businesses. Like, I don't know why you're not doing this as a business. Like, this is like what you're on the planet to do. And I was like, Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. F off. I'm paying you a lot of money not to tell me how great I am, but to tell me, right, to help me figure out these other things, not add something else to my plate. And he just trickled it time and time and time again. He told me what I needed to hear, not what I wanted to hear. And that was like the process six years ago that started me on the path that I'm on today. I ran both businesses side by side for about five years. The more I wanted to do it, or the more I did it, the more I wanted to do it. The more success I had on the other side, the more money that I made, the more I realized money is not really what I even care about other than, by the way, money is a great thing. I don't in any way vilify it. It helps you have a lot of freedoms. It helps you impact a lot of lives. It helps you do a lot of things. So make as much as you possibly can, but I'm a big believer, like do it in an ethical, standard way and have money be the byproduct of what you do versus the reason that you do what you do. There's a very big difference there. And so fast forward a little bit to summer of 2019, went away with my wife. It was one of those weekends that mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally, we were just connected. We were one. And as we're driving back to pick up our kids, she leans over and says, how would you feel if you didn't have to go to the office on Monday morning? I was overwhelmed with fear. I get chills every time I say that one comment. I I looked over and I was like, babe, that's a pretty loaded question. Why don't you tell me more? She went on to say, I had some other health stuff that I was dealing with a couple of years back. And she went on to say, "I, I think you allowed fear to enter into your world in a way I've never seen you operate. She said, I think you've convinced yourself that we need the money, the status, the prestige of this business, the freedom and flexibility that's provided for us. And she said, and I'm here to tell you that we don't. I don't care if we live in a cardboard box on the corner. What I care about most is that we have 100% of you, not just some version of you. She said, and I think that you're dying a little bit inside every day you live in risk management and play consulting. And then she went on to tell me that the more I spoke and the more I coached, the more she knew I wanted to. And she also went on to tell me that I was barely scratching the surface of my potential, nor was I having the impact on the world that I wanted. And so she said, there's nobody on this planet I'd rather take a bet on than you. We took a big bet once, it paid off. Why don't we double down on that bet and see what you can go do? And so that was the beginning of where I'm at today. That was the beginning of where a billion lives came from. That was the beginning of like, okay, let's let's shift from you know having a life based around significance and external success to a life around impact. And what does that actually mean? And when I reflected back on the 10, 15 years prior, I was spending 30 to 40% of my time in the community in nonprofits, volunteering, raising, leading boards, because that was how I was filling that part of me that was altruistic and desired to have impact. And so now I was able to align all of who I am into one place, multiple vehicles, but one place, one singular focus, impact.
1: I love that story with your wife, man. It's very parallel to like my life and the way that I've made crucial decisions in this like- Shockingly, being seen by my wife in crucial moments where I was full of shit on myself, yeah, and man. and and she saw right through it and challenged me in a way that forced me to deal with the discomfort. And I love that's why when you and your wife started making content together, I was like, "This is the shit. This is awesome!" Right? Like, I I, I really really like that man. So, in your story, I hear a couple of constants. I hear of you being a people builder and a team builder. I hear you having people around you that supplement the things that you don't want to be doing that that round you off and 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 make you better. Be it your wife or your partners or these associates that you say that you were able to recruit. And I and I hear you being a community builder of sorts, right? Like the, the that's when we first started jiving this idea yeah. of. Yeah man, when I when I hated my job. By the way, very similar, right? Like I was in construction, I found green building and I'm like, "Oh, now I know I'm going to save the world through green building." But the green building industry within the green building within the building industry isn't really driven by impact. So like it felt very fake to me and as soon as that happened then I had to figure something else out. So I was spending 60% of my time with nonprofits, <laughs> you know, and doing that type of stuff, man. So I hear, those, I hear those constants, man. What, are, what, are you, what do you feel that you have carried with you from clearly you left the external expectations off and you have aligned yourself with integrity, but as far as things that work for you, things that tactics, the, the, the things that you are still doing on a daily basis that you were doing then that you're still doing now. What have been the constants that have gone with you that have allowed you to continue to aggregate people around you, continue to motivate and continue to, to, to get to the impact that you're trying, get to the goals that you have set forth for yourself. What are the things that have stayed content constant?
0: That's a great question, Pablo. So thank you for asking that people, people is what stayed constant, right? I recognize that everything in this world comes back to people. When people ask me what I'm an expert in, it's people right? It's human behavior, it's performance, it's it's intrinsic motivation, extr- extrinsic motivation, it's emotional triggers, behavioral patterns, environmental conditioning. Like there's patterns that repeat themselves. I don't care what world you're in, like people are products of patterns, right? And, and so when you start to be able to understand that, you also start to really understand how to get people to connect to themselves and connect to things bigger than themselves. And so I would say that I've gone really heavy then and I've gone heavy now on building quality relationships. And then I take elements of gifts that I was given born with some honed, some conditioned that are around identifying the ability to create and articulate a vision that's bigger than any one of us that people can attach to? Nonprofits, it's that same thing. And building a business, it's that same thing. How do you get everybody pulling in the same direction? How do you outline a vision that seems so great, so grandiose, but communicated in a way that people feel like it's within their reach? That's a skill set that I've had in my life. And I don't say that to impress. I say it to impress upon the point. I don't take that for granted. I understand that. I also understand that With great power comes great responsibility because to be able to do that, I could also use those same things, not for good, but for personal profit. And that's not something I take lightly. So I would say that my visionary element is is a big piece. And then I think that's closely followed by vision is strategy. Hmm. I think that for whatever reason, the way my brain works, I, I recognize strategy and tactics and I understand how they fit into the puzzle. A lot of people think that they're stuck or stymied in their efforts to fill their potential because they don't have the right strategy or tactics. And I don't believe that's true. I think strategy and tactics have a role. They have a place, but they will only get you so far. They will only work if you have a good grasp on people, because typically what keeps people in businesses stuck, again, is people, emotional triggers, behavioral patterns, and environmental conditioning. We repeat those same cycles, those same patterns, and they keep us in a self-defeating place. So when you understand strategy and tactics as secondary, and you understand how they connect to people, you're able to then communicate to individuals and groups of people through a way that connects with them in a way that they can understand the vision through strategic and tactical elements. And so that way, I think I'm able to then communicate and build relationships and communities and vision around these things and allow execution to take place by putting the right people around the table.
1: Hmm.
0: I think those are the things. And then I would say that, you know, obviously empathy is a big piece. I care deeply. I care deeply about impact. And then I think because I have constantly my entire life had to break beyond boundaries in untraditional ways, I just truly get excited about the idea that Just because something is difficult doesn't mean we stop. I found that the most meaningful things in life are actually on the other side, typically of struggle, pain, challenges, and difficulty. And so I expect failure. I expect failure and I embrace failure. And so we try a bunch of different things until we find our lane and we figure out what does that look like and how does that translate and how do we connect with our audience and who are those people and how do we get to them? You know, I, 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 I'm not afraid of failing because I've failed more times than I've been successful, but it's because I know what that looks like, right? What, going back and having to learn how to tie my, my shoes with one hand in a period where I didn't have functionality to be able to do it. And then teach myself how to do it with two hands. Once I had the dexterity and mobility in my hand to be able to do it, learning how to water ski, getting out of the water with one hand strong enough to hold onto the, the, like, what does that look like? How do you do that, right? And then having people look at me and like, how do you do that? And being able to flip the script and be like, well, how do you do that, right? There's always a way. If, if, the, if the will is big enough, there's always a way. If the purpose is big enough, it will overtake the pain. And so I think it's those constants that regardless of what field I'm playing on, I think those show up as the ability to still drive towards a successful outcome, but it's all about the process.
1: Yeah. It makes sense, man. If I can, if I can distill everything you just said, I think about our first conversation of talking about how reps is everything, right? Like if you can embrace failure and expect it and just know that you're going to have to rep through it, you're going to get to the other side. So you have this like really strong mindset around that based on the idea that people have been telling you that it's impossible to tie your shoes with one hand since you were a little kid, right? And you proven them wrong. I think about your ability to strategize towards a extraordinary visionary ability. And then I feel like the bridge in between that, that enlists people into your mission is communication. Like I see you as this like master communicator. Thank you. That is able to bring these things together. When did you first start feeling I'm making an assumption that you know that you're a master communicator because you're a public speaker and you're really good at it, right? And and like I've I've heard how you think about podcasts and 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 how you contextualize things, but at what point in your life did you did you see your voice as this powerful tool that you need to either harness for good or evil?
0: I've had different moments in my life where I've realized that. I will tell you that the true depth of understanding to the point that I embody it in every moment and I don't question it It has only happened in the last two years. There's been a big focus, you know, both 2019 and both 2020, my themes for those years were trust and surrender. And what that means to me is when I say at different moments in my life, I knew there were certain skill sets that I had early in life that the world told me, they wouldn't accept. Some of that's around communication, some of that's the way I show up, some of that's how loud I talk or how fast I talk or whatever, right? Parts about me that were core to my identity that I was told constantly weren't good enough. You can't show up in a boardroom that way. You can't communicate that way. You can't have a loud voice and and still be, you know, empathetic. You can't, you know, all of these things that literally for 20 years of my life were like beat out of me. And I started to believe that like they weren't truly gifts until I started to create stages and evolve holistically into who I was. And once I got clarity on who I was and I was able to trust and surrender that the words I need will always be there when I need them, I don't have to try to say something and sound smart. I don't have to fabricate a message. If I just align and I connect my mind and my body, and I'm very intentional and I trust and surrender, the more I raise my level of consciousness, the more wisdom flows through me, the less I have to access knowledge for communication. And so it's only been in the last two years where I've really started to understand how unique I am in certain ways. And what I mean by that is how uniquely I communicate. And so I actually don't view myself as a master communicator. I, I, I appreciate that you said that. I view this as one of my gifts that the more I hone, the more impact can happen as a result of it. So I believe I am a very strong communicator. I'd stack myself up against many people. I don't believe I'm a master I don't think I have the 10,000 plus hours of really honing the skill set on allowing wisdom to flow through me versus having to articulate knowledge. There's a big difference between those two. But the more I trust and surrender to the process of allowing the words to be there when I need them, the more it just happens that way. Now I have to put in the work to understand the, the knowledge, right? I have to put in the work to meet the people. I have to put in the reps. I have to, all the things that you talked about. But I know it sounds a little abstract and esoteric when I talk about it that way, but that's how I've started to view communication. I think that it's about allowing the cadence, the delivery, the words, the energy to speak to whichever audience I'm speaking to at the time. You've consumed enough of my content to see there's times I speak really fast and stuff just rolls out of me and I'm hot on a topic. And then there's other times I'm a little bit more Calibrated, calculated, like I am right now. It's they're all 100% me. It's recognizing where and how those things need to change so that the message connects. Because communication is about connection, it's about understanding. Right. And so to become a master communicator, which I'm not yet, I have to truly meet people where they are and communicate in a way that's authentic to me and the message that needs to be said but also authentic to them in the way that they'll receive that message. Cause messages that aren't received don't really matter.
1: It was really good. It was, it was, I I very much agree with it. Cause at the end of the day, you're saying communication is, you know, context, right? Like, and, and, and the, to become a master communicator is finding that middle point between what you're trying to say and the message that the person is open. And I love, I love the way that you describe it, right? Like the, I heard somebody say something along the lines of like the more you know about something, the less you know about something, right? Like yeah. I I I think that's probably where you're at with communications <laughs> because you know obviously you are in an elite level of working on that craft at the very least, right? Like the amount of time you spent thinking about and and refining that bl- and sharpening that blade and you know doing ninja sword stuff with your yeah. with your with your mouth and talking yeah. to people. You said something interesting though, man. You said when I first started creating stages for myself. That's different than somebody saying when I start first started speaking on stages. Can you explain a little bit more behind what you mean by creating stages for yourself?
0: Creating stages is it, a stage is any place there's an audience that will listen, right? And so like a stage could be having a conversation with a coworker in their office. A stage could be a team meeting in your office. A stage could be a boardroom at a nonprofit that you're a part of. A stage could be a literal hired stage that you're communicating to an audience. A stage could be a room full of clients. A stage could be a podcast. A stage could be creating your own podcast or your own show, right? One of the things I started creating, and you'll see the evolution if you go back and check stuff early, right? Bogart's Bullets started five, six years ago. And I did a bullet a week for 48-ish weeks, almost a full year. Until I started to get feedback that people who'd seen me speak live or who knew me were like, Yeah, content's great. It's just not the same as you. And what I realized is I created my own stage, but because I created my own stage, I also felt that I had to fabricate the energy, the message, and the delivery that might not have been the same way I would do it authentically. But it was that stage, it was Bogert's Bullets, my, 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 my own camera, my own studio that was a stage that I created that helped me hone my craft it allowed me to be able to freestyle on almost any topic. And I don't I don't again I don't say that arrogantly like oh I can talk about anything. I can't. I have a broad range of topics that I can talk on that I can go deep on and I have other topics that I can hit the surface level and then I have other topics that I can riff real time on that maybe I've never thought about but that's just I've gotten into such a cadence that you could ask me a question about just about anything. If I don't know or I have no clue I'm just going to tell you. I don't feel the need to fabricate that. Anymore, but there's a lot of places I can go. It was that stage that I created that allowed me to hone that craft. And now Bogart's Bullets, when it comes out, it's a completely different energy, a completely different feel, and it gets people to think about their thinking, feel their feelings, think about their feelings, and feel their thinking in three to five minutes. It's not a sales pitch. It's a it's a way to calibrate a real, authentic human experience in a way that somebody maybe hasn't taken the time to process that, right? And so we, we can we can do that. So creating stages is is creating the opportunity to hone your skill set, hone your communication, hone your craft. And it's another way to get reps, right? I used to go to lunches and coffees in my old business four to five times a day, and it was networking to build relationships, but it was also a stage. It was a chance to talk about life and philosophy and concepts that had nothing to do with the business that we were there to talk about, but that's how you built relationships and connection in a deeper way that also translated to business. So they were stages. I'd go to lunch and I'd riff on a topic and I'd get somebody excited, give them motivation, perspective, direction in life that had nothing to do with what I was there to talk to them about, but it built relationships, it built credibility, it built authenticity, it built vulnerability, it built my ability to do that. Those were all stages that were created. And I wouldn't have told you that I was necessarily intentionally creating stages back when I was doing it, but that's what I was doing right? It's no different than the virtual world of stacking a 14 hour day with 30 minute windows, podcasts, coaching sessions, right? I could talk to 14 different people in a day. Guess what? They're all chances to rep. And it's not that people are there for the sake for me to be able to rep content. That's not it at all. Cause I actually have no idea what I'm going to talk. It's not like I go in with an agenda to be like, Oh, I'm going to rep on this topic today. No, I go in and see where the conversation takes us, but it allows you to really read the room, read the people and then by the time you actually get paid stages as a paid speaker, guess what? You know, real time, like this topic's gonna hit. You know, this gonna reach in to somebody's body, yank out their heart, allow you to fix it a little bit, and you can shove it back in. They're a little bit better as a result of hearing it, right? It's like those things to, to be able to realize that we as content creators, in some ways, can be a heart surgeon without a blade. What we really can say things with the way we can create imagery with our words in a way that others don't have the opportunity to do so. So create the stage, right? Somebody asked me at one point, which I'd never thought about, and there's this content that's connected to it. You think about the fact that that one inch paintbrush that we went to get has really been the paintbrush that has created the artwork for the rest of my life, Mm -hmm. right? So you could take that one inch paintbrush and talk about the one inch difference in one way or another. What if I had been standing one inch further back? Would I have been hit? I don't know. What if my hand wasn't on the handle, but was one inch removed? Would this all have happened to me? But we went to get a one inch paintbrush. And that paintbrush allows me to paint imagery and pictures for people to connect to with their minds, bodies, and souls. So that's what I mean by creating stages. Every time you communicate, it's an opportunity to be communicating on a stage. If somebody's there to listen, or even if they're not, my studio, nobody was listening. So I had to put it into the world. And that's when they started to listen.
1: So good, dude. I've never had anybody just bring me that energy and just like drop it on me like that to to me, it's usually outward when i'm when I'm talking about how content creation is the new public speaking. content creation is the new feedback mechanism. it's the new it's the new communication rep mm-hmm. that I think everybody is sleeping on, or at least the people that aren't out there making content that get lost in their idea of well, what if I don't, nobody listens? What if there's something wrong with this that they just don't see it as this rep, as this golden opportunity to receive feedback? It doesn't matter whether you're right or wrong. It doesn't, you know, like it matters whether you're purposefully being a dick or not. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know, how accurate what you're saying is, as long as you're talking about something you believe in, be it inside of a networking room, right, like in a conversation with somebody or going live on Facebook the ability to receive feedback from somebody that isn't yourself from a brain that doesn't already take for granted whatever you're saying you know and and be able to improve upon that like you said the 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 heart surgeon without a blade is perfect man because that's really it it's the idea of putting a thought of yours outside of inside of your own body letting it be seen and then being reinserted from a different perspective that is a perfect metaphor for growth, right? Like that is that is the perfect metaphor for a rep on a bench press, right? Like you're just like tearing it your is. muscle a little bit and letting it heal. All, right? it like,
0: all it is, that's all it is. So if I want to be a master communicator, I have to communicate a yeah. lot every day. Yeah, yeah. Right, and so I could I, I and that's what I do most days. I fill my calendar with meetings, podcasts, coaching sessions, speaking opportunities, where I can be communicating. And by the way, communication is a two way street. So I don't mean just talking. All day, right? There's a lot of situations where, as a strong communicator, I end up being the one talking because I'm trying to deliver content in a way that's valuable and impactful to people's lives. But at the same time, communicating is sitting in silence, right? And a lot of what I do with communicating is also reading people, which is the nonverbal cues right? You're leaning back in your chair right now. You're nodding your head. This is like hitting. You're like, oh shit, where am I going to take this next? Like, I don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, but on it, it's like the nonverbal stuff is communication. So I can speak all day long, but if I don't read the communication coming back to me, that's even not being spoken. I might be talking, but not communicating.
1: I love it, man. I love it. I love it. I you know, in my in my giant man crush with Gary V and 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 like in thinking that he might be the ultimate communicator of everybody, I I I look at him and I think what Gary V has done that has made him such a good communicator. He's built the greatest listening machine of all time. Oh yeah, right, yeah, totally, man. Brent, I you know I like to with certain people that I bring on this podcast that I am particularly impressed with. I I not in a selfish way, not in a flatter me way, but I like to deconstruct the reason why you chose to have a relationship with me, man. Like what, what is it about how did we meet and what made you think, Hmm, Pablo might be a good guy to have around in my life when I have the option to have so many amazing people in my life.
0: Yeah. So great question. And I remember it specifically, but vaguely. So you may fill in the gaps if I get any of the details wrong, but I will tell you that it was more a feeling than anything. You know, I, I, as I'm sure is the case with you and other people who put out content and do different things. Like there's, there's people who engage, people who comment, people who DM, who reach out directly. And I do my best to always respond to any time somebody's going to take the time out of their day to engage in content of any sort that I put out because they don't have to, they don't have to do that. Right, even if it connects and resonates, I think ninety-nine percent of people might watch something, which is why my billion is going to be so hard to track. I am convinced that that probably ninety percent of people who actually get impacted by content do nothing with it in terms of liking, of commenting, and sharing. Yep. Right, it's a small segment. So that, and I don't know that that ninety percent is accurate. That's uh, one of these that I'm pulling out, but I, that I that use, means I that use
1: the same figure, man. I think I that think means that ten use- percent
0: that choose to engage. Yeah. I'm going to. I'm going to acknowledge their effort in engaging. You stood out because you engaged in more than one way. I don't remember exactly. I think it was, you probably heard me on Justin Shanks podcast on growth now. And then I think you reached out to me on LinkedIn, connected, and then you started engaging in content almost immediately. Like liking, commenting, and sharing. Then I was like, who is this Pablo guy? Like, like I literally, I was like, who is this guy? Like, I mean, he's he's all over the place. And then I started seeing you literally with a bunch of people that I knew in my circles, like being the hype man, blowing them up. And I was like, this guy's just like literally trying to help people. And you started doing that for Justin Shank for his Growth Now Movement, which was uh, two times ago, which was the first one of his that I spoke at. That's right. And and so I, I and I love Justin because he's pure. He's got a good heart. And I was like, if this guy's promoting what Justin's trying to put out into the world. He's somebody that I probably want to know, right? Like not just like somebody I want to engage with and be like, Hey, thank you so much. And so I don't remember if it was you or me. I I want to say it might've been me where I was like, Pablo, when are we going to talk? And we scheduled a time. We scheduled a time that was actually after the growth now movement. (laughs) And during my talk at growth now movement, which wasn't even a solo talk at the time, it was a panel discussion, right? You were just like blowing me up. Like in the comments, you were giving me so much love. You were being the hype man again. And I was like, I still haven't even met this guy. Right. But we'd communicated a little bit over social, but again, you were not the normal engager. You were going above and beyond. and, And I saw you doing this, not just for me, but for other people. So I didn't feel like it was some ulterior motive. I was like, this guy's like genuinely trying to put out good into the world by promoting other people's content or thought leaders or whatever. And then when we connected, man, I just felt like we connected right? It was a feeling thing. We, we started talking and jamming and I, you know, we, sh- you even said it earlier in this podcast, we share sort of similar trajectories in certain ways, right? Very, very different life stories, very, very different ways that we got to where we're at. But it was just one of those things where it was like, oh, okay, cool. Right. And you understood the value of content. You understood the value of communication. You understand the value of reps. Like you just, you just got it. And so we had a great talk. And then we get done with that talk. And the next thing I know, you put out like 50 pieces of micro content from our hour, just freestyle conversation. You're one of the first people that like in an intro call was like, hey, can I record this? And I was like, sure. Like, I mean, whatever, if you want. And then next thing I know, you're blowing me up again. Like just, dude, you just, you just give. You gave in a, in a really genuine, high intent way. And you were detached from any personal outcome for yourself. And if, and if there was a personal outcome that you were attached to, you hit it really well, but I don't think that's what it was. Like, I, I genuinely just feel like you're like, look, I'm getting this content game, anybody that I can kind of promote. And I've seen you continue that. So, you know, we've now communicated multiple times since then. And you know, we, you've been, again, a continued big supporter of, of content and our worlds have gotten even closer and closer aligned as we've gotten to know different people are made introductions for each other and, and all the above, but man, I, You're in my life because I think I think you've got a good heart. I think you genuinely want to help people, and and I think you go about stuff typically in the right way. I say typically not because I not because I don't think you do, but I haven't seen you do anything not in the right way. And so everything that's led my belief is that like you are who you say you are, and you show up consistently every time. So you know that that gets really hard for people to fabricate, which also is another way for me to start to see who's real. And 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 I believe you are, or you're just a really good faker, world class.
1: Yeah, I'm a world class bullshitter. Um, thanks, man. Yeah, dude, I I remember it the same way. I, you know, I'll tell you, I want to synthesize the two big things of what you said there as the power of guilty by association, right? If if you see me providing value in other people's lives that you think are respectable, then you're like, okay, this guy must be legit. And then just the power of just showing up to add as much value as you can, right? Like I didn't have to chop up our intro conversation and promote you because it wasn't a podcast episode. I just was just like, whatever, dude, I want to be guilty by associated with this guy too. Right. Like I, you know, it it was very much the things that we discussed. And that was at the beginning of my like real getting good at content repurposing. Right. Like taking our conversation was like a, was off of my beaten path. But to me, it was just, it was so obvious that it was the right, the right path to take of just like, everybody that I talk to, I can find something interesting in what I say with them and show it to other people. Yeah. You, for me, when you showed up, when you sent me, when you sent me your, your, your LinkedIn message that came complete with a one and a half minute video of exactly who you are, I was like, I like this guy, this guy gets,
0: that's right. I had forgotten. I did that with you.
1: The intro content piece is so powerful, dude. Like I had just started kind of doing that with my 15 minute story wrap thing that I like to send people to see if they think I'm cool or not. But you showing up already with this like one and a half minute video that just in a in a minute and a half explains who you are and your mission and your plight. I'm like, love this dude, I'm in, right? And so, so at the time I was, yeah, I was just a satellite in Justin's radar and I was kind of promoting his event. And that's how we kind of crossed we, we, we crossed paths and, and, and then we got on a call and it was like, oh yeah. Okay. And you know, like to me, it was just like, how do you get, how do you get to that first call where we show up with an open heart kind of thing? And, and it was very clear to me that the moment that we connected, I was like, yeah, man, man, what, what Brian represents is everything that I want to, you know, help happen in this world. Right. So it was, it's been very, very beautiful thing man.
0: You've continued to show up, right. Life is life is first about showing up at second, how you show up and third, where you show up. Right. Like, and you, you show up. You show up, you, you show up with high quality, high standards, and you show up in the right rooms with the right people. And that's, that's how it all happened.
1: Buddy, I'm, I'm so grateful that, that you've been, you know what, before, before I, before I give you your like gushy, I love you, Brian moment, what, (laughs) where do we send people, you know, like our friend that just listened and just realized how amazing you are. I'm going to link brianboger.com, I'm going to link your Facebook, I'm going to link your group, your Instagram, your LinkedIn, your Twitter. Boger's Bullets on YouTube are amazing. I'm going to link all of that stuff. What's the next step to, to connect with you to get more Brian Boger, to to reach out to you if somebody wants to, connect, if they want a, a world-class coach and, and enabler in yep. their life like you are, what's the best place to connect with you? Promote whatever you want to promote right now. I think you got a podcast coming out, don't you?
0: I actually have two coming out uh, very right. soon, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I've, I've had a lot of people telling me I need to, uh, after being on, I don't know, 175 in the last nine months, people are finally like, dude, you got to do your own. It took me a minute because I needed to, I, I didn't want to do one alone. I So I've got co-hosts on both of them actually, and it's it's fun that way. It's um,
1: great
0: that way. Yeah. So yeah, so dude, you just you just dropped a lot of the stuff that is where I would send people. What The, the thing I'll say, and I do have something that I'll give people as well. To impact a billion lives, I am very intimately aware that 999999999999999 percent will never pay us a dollar. And I'm completely okay with that. I know that if we put out enough good into the world and we focus on impacting those lives, those that choose to invest will, and it will more than substantiate all the resources we need to finish this path to a billion. I believe that in my heart. I believe that in my soul. And so if you visit my website and, or any of my social, you'll see I put a lot of content out that's not intended to sell or drive you into any place, but just simply to add value into your world. And so if that's all you ever need from us, take it and run. The one request I'd have is pay it forward. If something resonates with you, like, comment, and share, because again, we do that. We're not trying to just monetize every single thing we do. We put a lot of good out there just because we want to. The thing that I will give you, go to nolimitsprelude.com. It's a succinct download of a lot of our coaching philosophies to start leading you on your own intrinsic journey, asking yourself some of those questions to get clarity on who you are and the who's in your world that are important and who you're going to impact and how, and how to embrace pain to avoid suffering in your life. So if you have no idea who you are, you think you're very, very clear on who you are, you're somewhere in between, this will be a value to you. And again, if that's all you ever need, take it and run. I just ask that you pay it forward and, and continue to share some of the wisdom Uh, that you may be extracted from today or anything that you consume from us and make sure that someone else gets the opportunity to consume it as well.
1: Awesome, man. I'm going to second that. I have have more than once reshared your content. I have more than once like forwarded your content to specific people. I think you put out a ton of good, man. So whoever our friend that's listening right now, you know, it doesn't have to be this podcast, go into Bogart's Bullets, find what you connect with, share it with a friend. There's something in there that's going to connect, that's going to Hit somebody in the right direction when they really, really need it, man, because you've put so much good stuff out. Brian, I'm so glad that I showed up in that whatever room it was that originated this thing, man, and that you've shown up in my life. The thing that blew me away was after we got on our first call, you immediately introduced me to five people that have three of them have been ongoing relationships that I now will forever have. And that's the greatest gift, man. And I don't know, man, just to consider myself a moon in your solar system somewhere is an amazing solar system to be a part of. I The way that you show up, the, the messages that you put out, the real, it's like a new stoicism and put in a very modernized, digestible way for a world that is right now, I think in a very critical transition of trying to understand short-term gain versus long-term pleasure kind of stuff. And I don't think that there is a more pertinent message than embracing pain to avoid suffering for many of the people around me right now just anecdotally and 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 where I see America as a whole and and kind of how we've how we are evolving as a human culture I think your message is in the right place at the right time man and, and I'm really really honored to be able to be one of the billion people and hopefully one of the billion people that Gets it to another two hundred people, five hundred people, ten thousand people, whatever, man. Like I'm, I'm just happy to be able to help you on this journey, man. So I just appreciate you having me in my life. Thanks for doing this, dude.
0: Well, dude, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna return the love at you. You, you, you show up, man. You're real. You give. You, you, you follow through on the things that you say and commit to. It's easy to introduce you to people. It's easy to have you, you know, alongside me on this journey because you show up and you do those things. And, you know, you, you've created platforms to put good into the world, which is the only reason we're even here together today, right? And, I, and I, that's not lost on me, right? You get to do that, which helps my message and then the collective message get out there. That's the thing, though, that I, I, I will close our comment with. And you've heard me say this before. Uh, it's about collective impact. It's not about Brian impacting a billion people. That's the mission that I've committed my life to, but it's about collective impact. We cannot get to a billion alone. We can't even get to a billion with a couple of us. And so it's a matter of having heart-centered, intentional, empathetic, caring, giving individuals who want to see a better world for future generations coming together to say that we're tired of the current narratives that exist in the world and let's build a new one. And so, you know, I wouldn't consider you a moon in my solar system. I'd consider you a friend walking along this journey. And I think you're gonna do a whole lot for us to collectively impact a billion lives. And so I'm grateful for all of that, my friend.
1: The key to building your relationship flywheel will rely in your ability to design and build your own stage where you can have conversations with people, getting to know them, Understanding their value and sharing it to the world. This is the service that I offer, and I offer it to $100 million companies where we're setting record breaking sales goals with it. If you want to know more about that, go to connectwithpablo.com. If you're just an individual that wants to build it, subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to my email list on my website. Because Coming Soon is a community where I'm going to teach this to you personally. Go to connectwithpablo.com.